morning, Lakeview. Greet you in the strong name of Jesus, who's risen from the grave. Amen? So I've been a lucky guy this week. Both of my bosses have been gone. So, first off, Pastor Chris is gone this weekend. If you haven't noticed, he's getting some well-deserved rest with Marita. And so now is the time for me to say anything I want about hockey, if I knew anything. So um, that one's passing by. But then my wife was gone most of the week, so no rules. My life was unhinged. Right? Um, so I didn't have to do the dishes right away. I didn't have to worry about bringing mud in the house, um, staying on one side of the bed, those sorts of things. So I'm, I'm glad she's back. She brings order and balance to my life. We balance each other out. That's why I married her. But all that to be said, nobody likes to be denied things, right? Things that we desire. There's denial that we don't choose, and there's denial that we do choose. And if there was ever a year of denial, 2020 was that year, right? Maybe you're tired of all the 2020 illustrations, but there's a lot there, so we're going to keep coming back to it. But it's like this narrator came into our lives and just suddenly started saying, access denied everywhere we went. Oh, you want to get your queso on at Casa Brava? Too bad. Access denied. You want to go to the movie theater? Too bad. Access denied. You actually want to do something healthy and go work out? Too bad. You can't go to the gym. Access denied. And you'll laugh at me, but the biggest one that wrenched my heart was when I went to IWU's campus and I got to Jackson Library and there was a sign on the door that said, only current students and faculty. It cut me off from the fountain of knowledge during COVID. Access denied. There's denial that we don't choose, and then there's denial that we do choose. And that's what we're talking about today. So this series we're in, this Lenten series, as Pastor Christian uh, referenced earlier, is during the Lent season, this 40 days that is preceding Easter, not counting Sundays. Fun fact, where we journey with Jesus through the desert, 40 days and 40 nights of the flood, 40 years wandering in the desert, Jesus wandering in the desert for 40 days. And so we prepare with him to walk to the cross. Pastor Chris kicked this off by how we need to have joy in the journey. I hope you still have your bracelets. I got primer all over mine, and I don't know where it went So when I was painting. But I hope you still have it on. We need to choose joy in the midst of the difficulties that we find ourselves in because we have a joyful hope waiting for us on the other side. And then Pastor Jessica followed it up last week with this idea that at some point in our lives, we have to decide that Christ is better, better than anything we could ever imagine. We can trust the testimonies of others, but at some point, we have to decide on our own to try it out and taste and see that the Lord is good. And so we need to choose joy. We need to decide that Jesus is better, the best, in fact, but we also need self-denial. So before we dig into the passage that Nikki read for us this morning, I want to give you some context. So Jesus has just gotten done healing a blind man, and then he is on this road to Caesarea Philippi with his disciples' feet, scuffing along, sun beating down on their heads, and he turns to them and says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? 
And Peter finally puts to words something that they've all been thinking, but none of them have been gutsy enough to say it. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the chosen one of Israel. Peter had a thing for saying the right thing. Not always doing the right thing, but he had a thing for saying the right thing. And that's what sets us up for this next passage. Jesus gathers his disciples together. I imagine he said something like, I'm going to tell you something I've never told you. Because this is the first time it happens in Mark's gospel. The Son of Man, the Messiah, must suffer, die, and be rejected, and then rise again in three days. And at this point, I identify with Peter in the sense of when you go to watch a movie and it has a horrible ending. You know what I mean? Like the hero gets built up throughout the whole story and then they tragically die at the end. Or the ending has no closure. You're like, that movie was so great until that happened. The girl ends up with the guy that you thought was horrible for him. So Peter, being the good friend he is, calls Jesus off the set, says, cut! And says, Jesus, Jesus, you got this all wrong. The Messiah is not supposed to be like that. You are supposed to be a hero. You're supposed to lead us into battle. You're supposed to be our king. You're supposed to conquer Rome. This isn't how the story's supposed to end. You're ruining the ending. And I can feel the righteous indignation building up in Jesus. You know, I give Peter some props because he takes Jesus off to the side so as not to embarrass him in front of the rest of the disciples. But then Jesus turns Peter around and then looks at the rest of the disciples when he says this next part. And it seems harsh. Get behind me, Satan, for your mind is not on the things of God, but on the things of man. Until you realize, yeah, that sounds harsh, but Jesus has heard words like these before in the desert. When Satan tempted him, just be the man they want you to be. Be the person that will get all the praise you want. You just have to act like me. You have to act like the world. And so Peter, in that time, is playing the role of Satan. He sounds like the things that Satan has said to Jesus. So he says, get behind me, Satan, for your mind is not set on the things of God but on the things of man. The reason Jesus turns to the rest of the disciples is because that all of them needed to start to be healed from their blindness of what they thought the Messiah was really supposed to be like. And so, building on that lesson, Jesus realizes that this is not something that just the 12 need to hear. All of his followers need to hear. So he calls the crowd in. And then I want to reread to you verses 34 through 38. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, 
of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. But what does he mean by deny himself? What does he mean by deny himself? Because wouldn't it be a fun spiritual discipline to deny your identity? I'm not the person who owes all those back taxes. Sorry, officer, I know that it looks like me on my license and registration, but it's not. You were, I'm not the pastor you were looking for. It's not what he's talking about. Take up your cross and follow me. In other words, come and die with me. Even though the disciples didn't know all about what was going to happen in the crucifixion, they understand that a crucifixion was death, rejection of society. And so when Jesus is saying this, he's say, saying, quit thinking about your life. Think about my life in the gospel. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. So that brings us to this guiding principle of this sermon. Disciples deny. Disciples deny. If you are going to enter the kingdom of God, you can be guaranteed that you will have to deny yourself of something. There is no way around it. You will be asked to deny yourself of something. Disciples deny. Why? Well, it goes back to the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve messed it up. Always going back to Adam and Eve, right? But they set this narrative in place when they sinned of immaturity. This narrative of deny God's way to permit our way. Deny God's way to permit our way. This narrative of immaturity. And so Jesus wants to flip the script. He has to flip the script, in fact, because that's not the way we were intended to be. So this narrative of maturity is deny your way to permit God's way. Rather than denying God's way for our way, we now need to deny our way for God's way. But how do we get there? If this is what we're supposed to do, if disciples are supposed to deny How do we go about doing it? Three steps. Three steps. The first is identify something tempting. Identify something tempting in your life. In other words, if you don't want it, if your mouth doesn't water over it, if you're not up late thinking about it or dreaming about it, you probably don't want it. Yes, you get kudos for those things that are bad that you avoid that you don't want, but we're specifically talking about the things that you do want that you aren't supposed to have. So step one, identify something tempting. And it could be good or bad at this point. The next step is where we test it. So identify something tempting. The next step is Test it by the gold two. Test it by the gold two. What's the gold two? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as 
yourself. When Jesus is talking to the disciples, you don't have your mind on things of God. The things of God he speaks of relate back to these two things. All the law and the prophets hang on these, love God and love neighbor. Jesus even references it in this passage when he says, lose your life for my sake, God's, and for the gospel, your neighbor's. The sake of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel is for your neighbors to have the best life they could ever have. So love God and love neighbor. And so this is going to get a little confusing. I hope not. But this step has three subpoints. Okay? So there's three different ways we can come at, at this question. There's not slides for these. So make sure you follow along. The first test is, does it violate the gold too? Is it just outright sin? Does it fail to love God or love neighbor? The second test is this. Does it hinder the gold too? Does it hinder the gold too? There are some things in our lives that aren't necessarily bad, but if eliminated, we might be better enabled to love God and love neighbor. Maybe there's a hobby or a fixation on something that distracts you from having time from God or distracts you from loving your neighbor to the best of your ability. It's not a sin in itself, but if you were to give it up, you would be able to love God and love neighbor better. So, does it violate the goal too? Does it hinder the goal too? And then third, is it a false goal too? Is it a false goal too? And someone might argue that this might fall into the prior two questions, but I think it's important to have this here because we have a tendency to deceive ourselves. What do I mean? Because there are things that we do that seem holy on the outside, but in reality, we're doing it for ourselves. Jesus had this temptation. Because if Jesus would have taken the path that Satan had offered him, that Peter was hinting at, Yeah, it would have looked holy. He would have become a king. He would have become loved and praised. But who would it have been for? Just him. All of us would have been stuck in our sins still. We would have no salvation. But no one probably would have questioned that it was holy. In the same way, I think some of us do things that look holy on the outside. Love God and love neighbor is what we feel like we can stamp them with. But we do them in reality more for ourselves. Than for love of God or love of neighbor. So, does it violate the gold too? Does it hinder the gold too? And does it, is it a false gold too? Which brings us to step three. Permit God's way to become your way. Permit God's way to become your way. Wouldn't it be easier if you never had to deny yourself to begin with. God never meant for us to have this bent, this propensity towards wickedness, towards unrighteousness, towards not following his will. And he wants to, by his supernatural grace, to transform you into a person who has his or her mind set on the things of God. The truth of the gospel is not just that Jesus forgives our sins, but that he sets us free to not sin again. Permit God's way to become your way. But here's the thing. 
here's the thing. If you don't make space for it to happen, it's not going to happen. Saying, Lord, I want your way to become my way is part of it. But you have to make intentional space, intentional appointments with the Lord for him to come through and work his supernatural power. You have to make opportunities of self-denial so that his way can become your way. You will have to deny yourself in the beginning, but in the midst, when his supernatural power works on you, you will say, man, I actually want to do this now. My taste for this other thing is beginning to go away. But you have to make space for it to happen. So three steps. Identify something tempting. Two, test it by the goal. Two, And three, permit God's way to become your way. Disciples must deny, and this is the steps that we can follow. But how is that going to play out right now? How is that going to play out right now? In the Lenten season, it's traditional to give up something, to fast from something. You'll hear people say, I'm giving up chocolate for Lent. I'm giving up social media for Lent. I'm giving up taxes for Lent. If only, right? Um, But all that being said, fasting is a traditional biblical thing where you abstain from food. But you can also fast from other things. And that's what I want to draw your attention to today. I think it's a place where we can participate with the Lord and make space of self-denial where he can enable us to do things that we never thought were possible. And so this week, I'm going to challenge you to think of one thing that you can give up. One thing that you can say no to. Something tempting in your life that either violates a known law of God, is a sin that you've been trying to get over but just haven't been able to make it over, is something that hinders you from the goal to, distracts you from being able to love God and love neighbor to the best of your ability, or three, something that is a false goal too, that you keep saying, oh, I'm doing this for the Lord, but in reality, it's more for you. It's more for you. What could you give up this week and see what the Lord can work through? As we invite the band up, I have one more point I want to make as we close up for today. Denial isn't fun. It's never fun, right? But the good news is that in the kingdom of God, denial always leads to gain. In the kingdom of God, denial always, always, always leads to gain. You will always end up with something better than the thing that you could have chosen or made in your own power. Denial isn't fun, but in the kingdom of God, denial always leads to gain. Access denied in one area is access granted in another to new heights and new depths of following Christ. Amen? And so you're going to receive a card on your way out that's going to guide you through how to go about this during the week, how to deny yourself, how to fast from something. But the worship team is going to lead us in a time of song and reflection. You could take whatever posture feels appropriate to do. The altar is open. This is a time for just the Lord to speak to us. What is it 
that I could give up for one week, not even the rest of Lent, one week, Monday through Sunday, something that you could give up and see how his way might become your way. Now, this song that we're going to sing is called, You Won't Relent. And the lyrics talk about these verses that are on our walls. You won't relent until you have it all. My heart is yours. God is not going to quit calling you to self-denial until you are emptied of all of yourself and filled with all of him. Until your way becomes his way. To show the fervor of his love, the reference from Song of Songs is in there where he says, I set you as a seal on my arm, as a seal on my heart. For there is love that is as strong as death, jealousy that's demanding as a grave. In the kingdom of God, denial is never fun, but it always leads to gain. Before we do that, though, I do want to lead you through a prayer time together, and it'll be responsive. It's going to be pretty simple, so there won't be any words on the screen, but I will say repeatedly throughout the prayer, we plead, and you will respond with, Lord, give us the strength. So let's test it out right now. We plead. Great, great. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Savior of the world. We are hopeless without your guidance and grace. Humbly, we come before you and we plead. From fleeting pleasures of this world, Lord, we plead. From the desires to be praised by man rather than you, we plead. From our fixation on ourselves, our hurts, our dreams, instead of you and those around us, we plead. Forgive us for our many shortcomings, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, we plead. for whatever it is you reveal to us that is stunting our spiritual growth and relationship with you, we plead. In the name of our eternally reigning God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.